Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Worship at Grace. You know, last week, we talked about how Moses, after he killed an Egyptian taskmaster, had to flee for his life and ends up tending sheep on the backside of Midian for a period of about 40 years. I want us to pick the story up right there today. I want to do a 30,000-foot, sort of a high-level flyover of this passage. And then uh, our strategy is we're going to draw some conclusions from that about the nature of God's call in our lives. Because make no mistake, every one of us is called by God. If, if the Lord Jesus is our Savior, if he's our teacher, if we're uh, on this journey with him, he has a call on our lives. Now, keep in mind, in this story we're going to look at, Moses is now 80 years old when God calls him through this burning bush experience. Think about that. When most people are looking to stay retired with as few work challenges, as few life challenges as possible, Moses is about to gear up for the greatest adventure of his life. Now, I'm not sure all that that says to people who are about to retire, but I think it should send a strong message to all of us. Listen, if you're not dead, you're not done. God has so much more for you than you ever dreamed. So let's look at the passage together. If you're following along in your own copy of Scripture, uh, whether, you're, whether you're reading it on your device, however, looking on the screens, Exodus chapter three. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, several times in the Old Testament scriptures, God appears in some physical, material, or bodily form. Theologians uh, normally call those Christophanies or theophanies. And if it specifically is identified with Christ, it's called a Christophany. What is that? It's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. In other words, before he was incarnated, as a baby in Bethlehem, which we celebrate at Christmas, this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Often, one of these appearances is, in, is like a human person. But in this case, this theophany is in the form of fire. This is also the way God met Moses on Mount Sinai. He met him with fire and smoke. And more than anything, I think that as Moses turned aside here from what he was doing, he was just kind of curious about how this bush could be burning and yet not actually be consumed. Now, let me just say parenthetically here that whenever we see the work of God, whenever you see the evidence of God at work in a person's life, I think it ought to make us curious too, right? We ought to be interested in that. You see, I've been greatly influenced in my life by men and women whose lives God had moved in, 
who were extraordinary men and women, people whose lives were hard to explain. I think I'm looking at some of them today. Some of you are like that by God's grace. I love to be around people like that. People whose lives simply cannot be explained except for the grace of God at work in them. And I think it should make us humble when we're, we're around people like that. It should make us hungry to want more of God's work in our lives. So Moses turned to this bush and then something extraordinary happened. It says, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Although God is transcendent, I want us to get this now, although he's transcendent, God is also imminent. I don't know if you're familiar with these two words or not, but I hope you'll become familiar with them. Transcendent describes God as being wholly other, beyond our capacity to even grasp or understand. He is all-powerful. He knows every detail about our lives and so on and so forth, but his eminence means that he's up close to us. And he has this knowledge, but he's still willing to be close and commune with us. Your understanding of God should include both his transcendence and his eminence. And that's what Moses was experiencing here. Moses said, here I am. And then in verse five, we see, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I've always wondered, why would God tell Moses to take off his sandals or his shoes? Is this, is this just a cultural thing? Is this a cultural etiquette? I read a number of commentators this week on this passage, and they make a big deal of that because people in the Middle Eastern culture usually remove their shoes when they're entering someone's home or entering a house of worship. But I would suggest to you that there's something beyond, far beyond Eastern custom and culture at work here. I think it's something very significant, and, and I just want to put a pin there because we're going to come back to that later. But for now, let's read on. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now, if you read that carefully, you'll find that about eight times here in just these few verses, God describes what he himself has done or is going to do. Did uh, do, do, you, do you note there who God is talking about? He's talking about himself. Eight times he says like, 
Things like, I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying out. I'm concerned about their suffering. I'm gonna come down and rescue them and so forth. And Moses is probably thinking, whoa, God, this is awesome, baby. Come on, we've been praying for this for years. And now finally, Lord, you're gonna get involved and rescue your people. Hallelujah. Go for it, God, do this. And then we read on in verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. <laughs> Moses must have thought, now wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, God. You just said that you are going to rescue them. So why are you sending me? And God must have explained, Moses, it is absolutely true that I'm going to do this. I'll provide all the power but I want to use you, a person. I want to use you to do this. Now, let me just pause right there and make an observation, something I've noticed about the work of God and how people get rescued, how people get saved, how people come to know God in a personal way. I've noticed this. People who really come to know and follow Jesus Christ are usually prayed for by name, they usually know at least one Christian they truly respect, and they have heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Now, guess what? Every one of those pieces involves people. People pray for others by name. People live respectable lives. People present the gospel clearly. People, God's strategy is people. And if you know Christ today, I'm pretty confident of this. God probably used some people in that process of your coming to know him. And if you study scripture carefully, you'll see that God is always searching, as I said last week, for a person, a person that he can use in his plans to address some need, some situation, some problem in this world. I love Ezekiel. Chapter 22, oh, this is a great verse. God says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. And then these sad and sobering words, but I found none, so I will pour out my wrath on them. I suggest to you that that is a staggering statement from God because I couldn't find a willing person to do my will in this particular area. Therefore, the judgment that might have been averted will inevitably come on the people. I ended last week's message with one of the most inspirational verses in the Bible to me. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Man, that inspires me. God is looking for people who will invite him to show himself strong through them. People who will invite God to strengthen them. I wanna be one of those people. Don't you? Don't you want that for your life? Make no mistake, God's strategy is people. 
Now, if you've been around Grace a while, you know we talk a lot at Grace about making more and better disciples. We've got it written on our walls. We've got it in our documents. It, 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 It appears all the time in our sermons and in our teachings. Our leaders are constantly mentioning more and better disciples. But listen, that doesn't just happen. More and better disciples happens through people with willing hearts, people who are willing to be available to God for his purposes. Sometimes I wish God would just use angels to do it, but God uses human beings. And so I'm calling today's message Beautiful Feet because God uses people with beautiful feet. Isaiah 52, seven is repeated in the New Testament and it says how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Feet, why feet? Wouldn't it make more sense if he said how beautiful is the mouth of those who bring good news? Because you're, you're declaring it, you're speaking it with your mouth. Or uh, how beautiful on the, are the knees of those who bring good news? Because we need to be on our knees interceding and praying to God. Prayer strikes that winning blow. Or how beautiful is the personality of those who bring good news? Now, that would make sense to me. But but why feet? I hope you're listening carefully right now. Before God is interested in your ability, my friend, he's interested in your mobility. Do you hear that? Before he's interested in, in, in your Gifts and abilities, he's interested in what your feet represent. Are you willing to follow God's call and go where he wants you to go? And a person who has feet that are consecrated like that has beautiful feet indeed. They're beautiful in God's eyes because they're willing to go where God sends them. And my question is, is that you? Is that me? So God says, look, Moses, take off your shoes. And Moses' response to God's call in verse 11 is very interesting. It's so interesting to me. Who am I? Now, 40 years earlier, he would have said, you got the right guy, God. I'm the man. I'm the man for you here. But, But now he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He's going, God, are you, are you sure? You sure you got the right person here? I mean, first of all, I'm 80 years old, all right? I'm a senior citizen. All of my friends are retiring, going to Florida, playing pickleball every day, okay? Yeah, that's right. Golf or pickleball, you know? And second, I'm a failure. I mean, God, have you checked my resume lately? Murder is on my resume. God, that's a class A felony. And for the last 40 years, I've been keeping fellowship with sheep in the middle of nowhere. So God, I'm a little confused here. What are you thinking? Are you sure you got the right guy? And God essentially ignores all of Moses' excuses And he says in verse 12, these terse words, I will be with you. 
Now, it's not stated straight out, but the implication of those five words is, and that ought to be enough, buddy. It ought to be enough that I am with you. And I hope that message is not lost on us because we, like Moses, have all kinds of excuses and barriers we want to throw up. But when God says, I am with you, trust me, that is enough. Because the success of Moses' mission and our mission from God is not going to hinge on our ability or Moses' ability, but on God's ability. Let me say it again. Before God is interested in your ability, he's interested in your mobility and your availability. God is looking for beautiful feet, feet who will go to wherever he directs. And then God, as this story unfolds further, he makes this penetrating statement, who gave man his mouth? Who, who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not the Lord? And then we read in verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I, what shall I tell them? And God answers in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God did not say, my name is I was at the burning bush. Hey, just remember your call and that ought to be enough to keep you going. Nor did God say, my name is I will. And hey, I'll be waiting for you in the promised land to pat you on the back and say, well done once you get there. That's not what he said either. That answer is profound. This is so profound. I am. He's saying, in other words, at any time, in any place, in any situation, whether you're up, whether you're down, when you're feeling strong, when you're feeling weak, when the heat is on, when life is cruising, I am. I am totally sufficient for whatever you're going through. And I can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. I am always going to be with you. Wow, this is one incredible passage. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to hear my heart today because we never share these incredible stories from God's word just to fill our heads with information. They always have a personal connection. And I'm absolutely convinced of this. Just as God called Moses, I believe God is still calling men and women today. Amen? He's still calling people today. And although we don't get written up in the Bible like he was, and although we don't get to actually write a part of Scripture like Moses did, believe me, when God calls us, it makes big news in heaven. I believe with all my heart, God is calling some of you this very day. And so if that's you today, I want to highlight very briefly five things, five things we're just gonna touch them, just touch on them quickly and move on.
five things about Moses' call that I believe will be true of my call and your call as well. So here we go. You may want to jot these down. I think they're worth remembering. First of all, it will be sovereign work that God calls you to. Verse 10 says, so now go, I am sending you. In other words, God's the initiator of this, not Moses. And as I've told you just recently, even in the Christmas series just a few weeks ago, God always has a plan, and God is always working out his purposes, and he, he gives his power for his plan, not for our plan. So it will be sovereign work. It starts with God, and it is powered by God. Secondly, it will be saving work. Whatever God calls you and me to, it will have a saving aspect about it. I'll explain what I mean by that. Verse eight says, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. God is in the rescue business. Did you know that? That's what he's all about. God is in the rescue business. The whole goal of the gospel, friends, and it is foreshadowed in the Exodus event, is to free people from their life of bondage and lead them to a new life and a new land of freedom. And when the sun sets you free, you know you are free indeed. And he launches you into a wonderful new life of flourishing. It is a saving work. And he calls us to get in on that. We are all about helping people flourish in every holistic sense of what that word means. But there's more. It's going to be serious work as well. He says in verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. Now, by serious, I don't want you to misunderstand me. That doesn't mean that you can't have any fun or there's no laughter or joy. No, 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 far from it. In fact, living out God's call is often a lot of fun, although it is indeed challenging. So by the word serious, I mean that the stakes are high here. It's not all safe. It's not all tame. It's not all risk Free, if you know what I mean. In fact, think about it. The Pharaoh to whom God is calling Moses to go and confront is the most powerful man of the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. And Moses would be on his 10 most wanted criminal list. So to go and confront Pharaoh, are you kidding? I mean, that is a serious call indeed. When God calls you and me, it's not just some flippant thing where we just say, whoopee, well, this is just gonna be all goosebumps and glory. It will not. It is serious. It is substantive. But fourth, I want you to see the call of God, it's gonna be struggling work, struggling work. He goes on to say here, I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. 
In other words, don't get the idea, as I said, that his call in our life is just gonna be goosebumps and glory every day before breakfast. In fact, Moses, listen, Moses, most days, most days, you know what you're gonna feel like as you carry out this call? You're gonna feel like you're beating your head against a brick wall, all right? Just trying to be real with you, Mo. Many days, you're gonna go home wondering if you actually made any progress that day. But even worse, Moses, when you follow my call, are you ready for this, buddy? You're gonna be deeply disappointed in people. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're gonna chafe against your leadership. Half the time, you're gonna feel like you're trying to herd cats. Yeah. In fact, if you knew in advance all the struggles you'll have, you'd probably say to me, God, I'm not sure I'm a want in this call after all. And you'd probably protest more than you have. You know, I find it interesting that when God called Isaiah the prophet, when he commissioned him, you can read all about this in Isaiah chapter six. He said to Isaiah, he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. And Moses, listen, it's gonna be very frustrating when you see people ever hearing but not understanding or perceiving. And frankly, it's just a bummer. And most days, you're gonna feel like you're not much of a success. So I want you to be ready. This is going to be a struggle. But here's the final S word I want us to see. It will be supernatural work. Verse 20. God says, so I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. In spite of all these realities, Moses, just stay with it, man. Stay with my call in your life. Be faithful to that. Some days, it's just gonna feel like you're putting one foot in front of the other, but I will accomplish the purpose for which I am sending you. My word will not return void. Later, our Lord Jesus would say, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we wrap up today, I want to ask you, do you have beautiful feet? Beautiful feet belong to people who are bringing the good news of the gospel wherever God calls them to do it. And when you've yielded your feet to God and said, I'll go where you want me to go, he declares, he declares our feet to be beautiful to him because they're on mission for the Lord. I'm just curious, do you have beautiful feet? Are you living the great adventure every day saying, Lord, I'm available. I'm willing to be mobile for you. I'm ready to be useful to you today. Show me where you're already working, Lord. Help me to get in on that today. If that's really your attitude, if that's really your heart desire and your commitment today, I'm gonna ask you to do something 
a bit unusual as we close. I read in the scripture at least a couple of times where God asked people like Moses and, and Joshua to take their shoes off on occasion because they were on holy ground in his presence. They were on mission for him. Their feet were consecrated to God to go where he wanted them to go. And if that's you, would you just reverently, just, just for a couple of minutes at least, would you be willing, oh, I know this is unusual, but would you be willing to slip your shoes off today? Now, listen, if, if that creates a medical or physical problem for you, no problem, please just keep them on. Or if you're just uncomfortable, you prefer not to remove them, again, no problem, please, just keep them on. But even though it may push you a little out of your comfort zone, just as a humble testimony before God, I'm gonna ask you to join me in taking off your shoes. So here I go. I'm gonna take mine off, and I invite you all over the sanctuary, Latham, Saratoga, Half Moon. I'm gonna invite you to join me here and just slip those shoes off. And you're, you're saying if you do this, Lord, my feet, my feet are on mission for you to go where you want me to go, to direct me. I will be obedient to your call. And once you've done that, I'm gonna ask you all together now to stand and I'm gonna pray for those who are in their sock feet or their stocking feet or their bare feet, whatever the case may be, but your feet are beautiful because they're on mission for God. Let's all stand together, stand together, everyone. Thank you. Just stand right up. And I wanna pray for us now in these closing moments. Father, thank you for these amazing servants of yours with beautiful feet, feet that are consecrated on mission for you, mobile feet, ready to go where you direct and where you guide. Lord, I thank you that your call on our lives, just like it was for Moses, it's not a trivial thing. It's not easy. It's not a kind of a fluff thing. It's substantive, it's serious, it's sovereign, it's saving, it's struggling. It's a big deal and it matters because lives are in the balance and the stakes are high. So thank you for entrusting your work to us. That is incredible. You, Lord, because of your call and because of your love, have made our lives significant. It is awesome to be on mission for you. So we commit ourselves anew and afresh today, beautiful feet and all, to go where you want us to go. And Lord, I pray finally that lives would be dramatically changed because of your call on our lives. Let us be agents of rescue in the rescue business with you to bring men and women out of bondage to sin and into the freedom that you alone can bring. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. 
And God's people said, amen and amen. God bless.